who do you think you are? <laughs> uh, if you don't get that reference, you've missed out on the rise and fall of Mars Hill uh, podcast. You know what happened in the Pacific Northwest, uh, thriving church. I mean, multiple campuses. I think thousands, tens of thousands of people gone. With seems like overnight. And so as we're hearing about the rise and fall of Mars Hill, I think kind of the leadership style of, of Mark Driscoll, uh, un- unhealthy kind of relationships there, no accountability. Uh, what can pastors learn from kind of this this podcast that we kind of all heard or kind of it was trending for a long time? Uh, what can we learn from some of these kind of lessons? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I think we're, we're in a culture right now where we're watching a lot get exposed. I think it was like the first public domino. And then it's, I think people kind of looked around like, oh, I think maybe I'm in an unhealthy culture. And so there's a lot that I think is, is good. There's also, we live in a cancel culture. So, you know, I can't speak to all of it being positive. But uh, I think there's there's probably at least two different audiences, mm-hmm. like people that are leaning in, listening to Rise and Fall. And there are people who, uh, I think I've heard it referred to as failure porn. Like yeah. we just mm-hmm. love like it's the cancel culture. We just love watching people fall from grace and it's entertaining. And so they jump mm-hmm. in. Uh, I think, I think healthy pastors and healthy leadership uh, will lean into something like rise and fall and, and, and see themselves into the story and realizing that every one of us is capable of that. Like we, we're all drawn to, you know, to, to power, to, you know, in the gravity of that, it gets really dark really, really fast. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think it's checking yourself. I think that's one of the major things yep. pastors can learn. Like, hey, what is in me that could be unhealthy? Uh, what it, What's in me that's controlling? What is in, mm-hmm. in me that is really living for my own kingdom mm-hmm. versus God's kingdom, which we're seeing a lot exposed um, in, the, in the church world? Um, I think for me personally, the biggest takeaway from, from the series was the fact that uh, I think Mike Cosper, the guy who hosted, uh, he's quoted from Samuel and, and just says that, you know, he says, we, we were never meant to wear crowns. Mm-hmm. And in the moment that the people of Israel, like, give us a king, like all these other nations, and God's like, I, I, I will be your king. Like, I want to, I want to be yeah. the one that leads you. And they go, no, like, give us, give us this guy, Saul. And Saul's amazing. Like, he really is. Like, on paper, I think all of us would have gravitated towards him we would have made him our lead church planter like he really like had you know some character and competencies that we would have been drawn to but i think we see when the crown gets put on his head like it's only a matter of time before like you see him just fall apart and even Izzy, you and i've talked about this even king david who's the the best like that we, we we got like everyone else like has pretty you know, messed up stories. David's like, hey, this is the shining spot. Even him wearing the crown, I mean, commits adultery, you know, kills your, you know, Bathsheba's husband. Like, he, he, he still lives like borderline schizophrenic. Like, his son, you know, rapes his daughter and then tries to kill him. Like, like, it's almost like God's going, hey, when you try to be the man and wear the crown, it's probably not going to end up well for you. So, I share all of that to say I think a lot of pastors, at least I would hope, that we would see it as a warning of what could be in all of us, no matter the size of the church. Yeah. 
without getting off topic, I think the sin there for Saul was people pleasing, mm-hmm. right? He they had conquered the Amalekites, and God told them to destroy everything, but his army wanted to keep the gold, the all the goodies, right, like the cattle. And he just wanted to please them. And so his sin was wanting to please the people more than pleasing the commandment of God. And so that just kind of stood out to me as you were saying that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a difference between people pleasing and people serving. And often serving people what they need might not always please them. You know, we talked earlier about political issues for for one. But I I agree. And Drew, you're in a unique place. You you lead a church, so you're you're different from us. We're listening to you and, and learning. But I think for those of us who've even just worked for a church, we can see um, in good leaders, humility is something you have to work towards. It's not something that just comes natural. And so the best leaders I've seen are, are people who go out of their way to practice humility, not in a showy way, but go out of their way and, and to put measures of humility in in their function, in their role, in their week to week. And um, one of the takeaways I had from listening to it was um, I, there's an old quote by St. Augustine. He said, if you want to real, build a really big tower, you start first by digging down. You need a really deep foundation before you can even begin to build up. And the the rise was almost as quick as the fall. And uh, along the way, uh, there were moments, at least listening to the podcast, where you can see Driscoll seeking out advice, um, but never, never welcoming accountability. And I think those two things can seem very similar. I'm opening up. Can you give me some advice on this or can you speak into this? But that's different from accountability. Advice is I'm going to let you into this space. I'm going to compartmentalize. I'm going to invite you to feed back into this. But accountability is I'm an open door. And so you you have the freedom to give unsolicited comment and feedback because I trust you regardless of position. And, you know, there's that moment where it's like, why would I listen to John Piper? My church is bigger than his. You know, that was one of those where you're like, ooh. And yet at the same time, like, I mean, obviously I'm not in a church the size of Driscoll's by any means, but I I mean, I think that impulse exists in all of us. Like, oh, well, what I have seems more successful. Why would I learn from somebody who's in a smaller place? And so for me, the way you get past that is to acknowledge it, but to build build clear structures around it to prevent it, to open up your door so people can speak in your life. Um, advice will get you a little bit down the way, but accountability is what's going to keep you in ministry. Right? Yeah, I think that's a really, really important point, this idea of accountability. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for me is, is man, this guy had yes men around mm-hmm. him only. Mm-hmm. Like there was nobody to challenge him at all. And then if they did, it was kind of brushed away and yeah. silenced in, mm-hmm. a, in a lot of ways. And so I think one of the takeaways that we can kind of kind of grasp as pastors as leaders is i mean how do we what does it look like to welcome that kind of accountability in our lives like i know you and i drew and i have talked about like what would it look like for us to serve on each other's board even like as a church and this is if you're listening and you're our church don't think that's what's happening right now it's just (laughs) but but to the point where like drew knows me like Mm -hmm. i'm over at his house with with jane and in lyndon and tilly they know me uh and and he can say like, hey man, like you're really screwing this up and have the ability to go before people in my church or our board and say like, hey, he needs to, he needs, he needs a backseat for now uh, to give people that, that open space where I know like even something as simple as like access to our phones. Like I, I know you have that, you know, I know Georgie mentioned like, yeah, I, I can check his Insta or whatever, stuff like that. Uh, I have that for me. I think there's, there's this idea of, 
needing that kind of like it's you're right it's in all of us like we can quick you know it's it's you can view it as how how can somebody get to that place but there's very much a real sense of like i know how this can happen for me and i think it's a very healthy way to look at it and that's kind of what bothered me the the yes men i don't know if i felt for mark or had stockholm syndrome or something <laughs> yeah. i was like man well what about those guys right like this guy's the fall guy um but i mean he you know, what about the ones that empowered him and enabled him? Because that, that was the majority of the church, right? Like, how do they respond? Like, how does one speak into their lives? What do y'all think? Well, in the podcast, they talk about how <laughs> the problem is, is like we all want to be the king and then everybody wants a king. So you kind of have to like turn a blind eye to keep your king mm -hmm. in place because if he right. goes down what does that say about you? So you mm -hmm. kind of like, mm -hmm. it's the Bobby McKnight, you know, and Indiana kind of just go like, oh, let's just, let's. And a lot of them followed them for a long time, right? So yeah. like their identity was wrapped up in well, his yes. leadership. Bobby too. Knight's winning. So yes. why would we rock the boat? Yes. You know, the church is growing. Why would we want to say anything? God's right? doing something. Mm -hmm. So obviously it can't be that wrong. So, uh, but I think, I think a big piece of it, it goes back to, and you said this, Caleb, there's the humility. Mm -hmm. And obviously, to have a humble spirit is, I mean, it's to have the same spirit of Christ. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. um, without humility, you're probably, you could have all the accountability in the world. You're just, right. you're not going to submit to it. Right. Um, and I think even, and I, I may be taking some liberties mm -hmm. here, but even going back to David being king, you know, him being a man after God's own heart. And there's a lot of like, what exactly does that mean? What does mm -hmm. that look like? Mm -hmm. And I think a major attribute of that was David's humility mm -hmm. and the, and we see that when Nathan calls him out and he's instantly repents mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. versus when Saul's called out mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it doesn't go well and most kings like you know, mm -hmm. who are you like you don't you know mm -hmm. uh, but I think what where David got that same heart of the father was that humility mm -hmm. to go mm -hmm. oh, how he responded and this kind of breaks my heart and I don't this is not a judgment call sure. at all I think what I wished so bad and it would have been a totally different story is when everything got exposed, I think if leadership, mm -hmm. you're right, mm -hmm. and just yeah. humbles themselves, and you're like, I didn't For handle sure. that well. And For I sure. love a redo, would love mm -hmm. to take the appropriate steps. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think everyone has so much grace for that. I mm -hmm. think we're like wired mm -hmm. to be like, oh, like, okay. Like, right, you right, see yeah. it too, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the moment you push against it, the moment that the pride swells up, that's where it just gets like mm -hmm. tanked. Because I think mm -hmm. most guys that own Mm -hmm. like really own it not like right pr right. own it mm -hmm. uh i don't know there's great because listen none of us are sure none of us yeah. are immune to this mm -hmm. and i think once again so being in a place as a pastor learning mm -hmm. the moment you say that would never happen to me the mm -hmm. clock is ticking mm -hmm. oh for sure like it is like we're you know in counseling right now my, my wife and i which big fan like everyone should be in amen and um you know, this counselor who works with pastors just looked and says, Drew, if I was the enemy, this is how I would take wow. you out based upon your wiring. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and he's just like, How do you how do you feel about that? Like after he shared. It's like screw tape. Yes. Yeah. Very, yeah. very spot on. And I was like, I see it. Mm -hmm. And I like, please help me mm -hmm. not do that. Mm -hmm. And his response was, Okay, there's hope. Yeah. He said, ninety percent of pastors, when I tell them that, this is how the enemy would take you out, they go, oh, I would never and you go, see you in a year mm -hmm. Mm. and you're gonna be on the news mm. and uh and so the moment i think we're above it and the moment because when we know that we're capable of that we start to like head a different path mm -hmm. and we 
we have all the filters we have right. all mm -hmm. of the accountability because you go this is in me and i don't i don't want this to be mm -hmm. my life so i think humility accountability it's all connected but that's probably was my yeah. biggest takeaways I think um, to, to that end, I, I like that you brought up Bobby Knight. I, I think responding, I think the reason in Driscoll's case that it was so difficult to respond in humility was partially the vision of success around him. Church is growing, it's booming. Um, people are showing up to affirm that. Uh, but we know ends, ends matter more than means. And so if the means to a growing church are unhealthy culture, uh, an, an, a leader who's prideful, um, to the point of like even being that way in his sermons from the pulpit, um, the, the ends, they, they could not possibly be justified by these means. And so for us, I think, and this is something to learn as, as past pastoral leaders is like, be willing to take a, a short-term loss, trusting that God has, is going to handle the long-term victory. And, you know, in a small sense, as a, as a, a worship pastor, I, I've dealt with that where, man, I, there's these really, super talented people that could serve on my team and just blow the roof off when it comes to instrumentation and singing. And yet their hearts are not in a good place. They're not committed to the church. I know they're living in sin. Um, I'm going to take the short-term loss and have somebody who might be a C-plus singer. I'm not going to name anybody. But um, I, I'm going to take the short-term loss and trust that you always win when you choose the side of, of being honest and, and pursuing the kind of ministry that God wants you to pursue. And uh, it gets the, you know, that kind of success that quickly can, can microwave so many things, but it exposes so many things so quickly. And you're right, like the people who say never, sometimes it's God's grace that you don't have that kind of success that quickly because it exposes anyone and everyone who's, who's in that position to go from nothing to something significant so quickly. Um, you know, I, we've all probably talked to people who are getting married and they're like, oh, I gotta, I'm going to get married. I'm moving to this next stage and everything's going to get fixed. And it's like, no, 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 you're going to move in the next stage and everything that's there is going to get exposed like nothing. And I think success in church is the same way. Yes. And so if we can be faithful and humble in this stage, whatever growth looks like on the other end, I think maintaining that humility is going to be what keeps us in ministry and what keeps our, our churches together. Even like scripture talking about that God opposes the proud. Mm -hmm. Like how far can your church go right. when God opposes the right. leader? Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a sin that we really don't, don't deal with. I think, you know, mm -hmm. like we, mm -hmm. I think they talked about like uh, politically, right. That's, mm -hmm. that's a leader that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And even John MacArthur, where I think was the one that's saying that he, Mark Driscoll kind of paved the way for that. Yeah. yeah. But really like in, in evangelicalism, that's kind of what we're wanting someone who mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, like doesn't slow down when he has opposition or he just like runs over them, right. With the bus, <laughs> like, get on the bus or like get run over. Right. So like, I think I love that analogy because I, we, we use it all the time. Like, get on the bus. We want people to be on the bus ministry, which is is, is a, a good analogy when it comes to like personnel. But even that implies pride. Like we control the pace. We control where where we're pulling over, all that stuff. Like the, the reality is we're on a journey together. And the only way you could ever use an analogy like, hey, there's bodies behind the bus is if you think you're going faster than you actually are. It's different if you're walking on a journey. And you're like, we just left that guy. He's just right there. Like he's just right there. Um, what, one thing that, that I think is Im important for us is there, there's not just pride in the leader. I think pride infects the way we're formed in our services. And so the reason we don't, pride doesn't necessarily bother us as much is it comes down to formation. It's probably a wider conversation, but 
there's pride built into the way we worship. You know, you mm -hmm. mentioned homogenous churches. It's just feeding back what people expect or what people want stylistically, consumeristically. And so there's a pride often inherent in the way we come into worship. And so if we're feeding that in people, even in ways we don't stop to check or, or don't mean to, but if we're feeding that in our congregation, why would they, why would their radar go off when that's exhibited from the pulpit? And so I think part of that is not just having a humble leader, but creating experiences of worship that form people to be deferential, uh, to serve one another, to see one another, and to remember that worship is, is a way we edify and encourage one another. We're building up the church when we come in here. It's not about me feeding my preferences. It's all about humility from the beginning to the end of the service. Oh, well, I mean, you said something, Caleb, triggered a thought. I think so many <clears throat> pastors, I think we, we have this really broken mindset that we think we have the church. The whole focus of it is, you know, we even, gosh, I try to summarize this. The goal of the church on Sunday is to get as many people into a room to listen mm -hmm. to me talk. Mm -hmm. Like that's success. And yeah, baptisms are great because you yeah. can report those and, you know, money that comes in so I can make sure I'm paid. But the problem is when we, and, and most of us even in church planting, we don't plant churches, we plant Sunday services, mm -hmm. um, and then it gets stuck. And so we wonder why discipleship is so broken. But when when the problem is like, hey, the goal is to get everybody in a room to support me and my brand, and then I'm going to stand, and, and Jesus mm -hmm. is going to help me support my brand. I'm using him, which is a whole other conversation. But he you see quickly why who's driving the bus yeah. mm -hmm. versus going if our role as pastors is to serve the body mm -hmm. and to equip the saints yeah. for the work of ministry yeah. to help like actually fan the flame of the passions mm -hmm. that God has put them like put inside of them and then release them into mm -hmm. the world mm -hmm. that's that's a whole different thing versus uh you know, there's a joke of like every pastor feels like it's their role to convince the congregation that they all have the spiritual gift of handing out programs <laughs> yeah. at the front door. And you go, yeah. once again, it's yeah. I have a vision mm -hmm. and you can serve me and help me accomplish my vision, mm -hmm. which is completely opposite mm -hmm. of what Jesus totally, says. Totally. And my role, primary role is to serve you. What's God put on your heart? How do I right. help you do right. that? Mm -hmm. That'll help yeah. you reach your neighbors, not yeah. you bring them to me. What are right. your passions? Yeah. Instead yeah. of what do we need, rather like what are your passions? What's your giftings? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, so I, 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 as good. a pastor, I'll create programs that I want. I want the youth program. Or I want a worship program. And now I need you to volunteer yeah. to fill yeah. my passions and my mm -hmm. dreams, mm -hmm. which, and then we're getting a little nuanced. But sure. But it's, I think there's a structural yes. flip mm -hmm. and then there's no bus. Right. Right. Or if there is a bus, yeah, then we're all walking Jesus together. Is driving mm -hmm. the bus. And Jesus isn't going to run anybody over. Yep. And so it just, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I I was reading a and the author's name escapes me, so I, I apologize for that. But he was he had a book on idolatry, and he had chapters on different things. There's a chapter on politics, but one of the last chapters was the church as idol, which I thought was really interesting. I'm like, mm, that sounds provocative. Talk to me. And uh, his essential point was if if the church ever gets separated from the head, if the body ever loses the head it becomes an idol right away and so to the extent and, and i like your example about david uh, david in his humility david in his service when he was following what it meant to be a man after god's own heart his life looked a certain way and the minute he began to stray his life began to fall apart and i think our churches are that way the only difference is it can take us a long time to notice what that mm -hmm. drift is or, or when it even set in um you know we're we're our church is out in the far west side and and they're or northwest side they're building 
so many homes and the conversations we're having are man they're, they're building 4000 houses around our church like people are just going to show up by virtue of us being in the neighborhood um that that on on uh in the wrong view can look like success it can look like growth people are showing up but if we're not discipling them that's not success it's actually the opposite we're leading people into we could be leading people into an environment where we're, we care more about them filling a seat than them engaging in mission and, and occupying the kingdom and so i think a lot of it comes down to just like you said flipping a lot of these things sunday services aren't a bad thing they're a bad thing when it's your entire thing when that's all you live to do is plan a sunday put things together and assume it's going to build your church on its own when reality in uh, Cosper just to shout out another Cosper uh, again in rhythms of grace he talks about how the whole point of Sunday morning is like a heartbeat you bring people in and you send them back out and so you bring people in with the stories of the way they've engaged in mission and discipleship and you gather them together in praise and worship and you send them back out to do the same thing again well if there's nowhere for them to go Monday through Saturday we're really just reinforcing the culture that they walk in with you know the outside the church culture